Our dependence on connected technology is growing faster than our ability to secure it, especially in areas affecting public safety and human life. I'm Bryson Bort, and this is Hack the Plant. Electricity, finance, transportation, our water supply. We take these critical infrastructure systems for granted, but they're all becoming increasingly dependent on the internet to function. Every day, I ask and look for answers to the questions. Does our connectivity leave us more vulnerable to attacks by our enemies? I'm a senior fellow at the R Street Institute and the co-founder of the nonprofit ICS Village, educating people on critical infrastructure security with hands-on examples, not just nerd stuff. I founded Grimm in 2013, a consultancy that works the front lines of these problems every day for clients all over the world. It's playing out in Israel right now where hackers have been going after Israeli water systems. Again, not to steal information from them, but to change the setting on the chemicals in Israeli water. Each month, I'm going to walk you through my world of hackers, insiders, and government working on the front lines of cybersecurity and public safety to protect the systems you rely upon every day. If you think that the small town water authorities and the mom and pop size companies uh, have better cybersecurity in the US than the Israelis do, I have really, really bad news for you. An attack on our critical infrastructure, the degradation to the point that they can no longer support us means that we go back to the Stone Age literally overnight. If we think the government's gonna solve it for us, we're wrong, we have to help them. This is not a podcast for the faint of heart. If you want to meet those protecting the world and what problems keep them up at night, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Bryson Port, and this is Hack the Plant. On today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Reem Al-Shamari, Chief Information Security Officer. In other words, the leader with the final say on cybersecurity at the Kuwait Oil Company. She's here today to discuss cybersecurity challenges in the oil and gas industry and what private companies and government leaders can do to keep us safe from attack. As we all know that uh, the adversaries is always collaborating with each other. Uh, they have their own forums where they can share all these threats and the dark web and all of that. Being an oil and gas industry, it means we under the same threats, we under uh, the same adversaries and, and targets. They always utilize the social engineering as a first stage to compromise or to gather the information they need, knowing that human factor can be a weakest link in that defense. Imagine that you're building a very high defensible castle and one of the citizens of that castle, just at one night, he feels a little bit, you know, uh, humid or he needs a, some air. So he just opens that window just slightly to have that breeze of air, cold air comes at night to him and he sleeps. The adversaries would spot that weakness and would make best of that. Uh, sometimes the human factor, curiosity, will always play a role in enabling uh, these attacks happen. So the adversaries are very, very uh, aware of that human factor. In this episode, we discuss operational security of oil and gas pipelines, 
the absence of regulation in industrial control systems, and how regional and international groups collaborate to share threat intelligence. For it's even better for us as, uh, let's say, the good guys to collaborate, to share our threat intelligence, to give each other's heads up of uh, what's uh, going on the, in the region. Reem oversees cybersecurity in the oil and gas sector in a part of the world where it plays a critical role to her country's national cybersecurity. She leveraged the capabilities of the Kuwait Oil Company, leading several initiatives that resulted in a remarkable positive impact reaching national, regional, and international levels. She's the co-founder of the Women in Cybersecurity Middle East Group, which will have its first virtual conference coming up 14 to 15 November. So you effectively oversee cybersecurity for the entire oil and gas industry in Kuwait. Of course, Kuwait uh, has a heavy economic dependence on oil, raises national security questions. Just how critical is this issue, Reem? It's very critical. Um, uh, me be leading the uh, cybersecurity in Kuwait oil company, which is one of the uh, other nine, uh, ten companies within the oil sector. Uh, and there's a forum uh, that uh, collaborates uh, all these 10 companies and the KOC is leading that forum and I'm representing KOC in that forum. Uh, we have established this forum where we have collaborating uh, efforts and sharing threat intelligence. The aspect or the purpose from this forum is really relating to your question when you said how much critical is cybersecurity in oil and gas uh, industry. A Kuwait, similar to the other Gulf countries is an oil producing country where the uh, national income depends highly uh, in a very high percentages on the uh, oil production and uh, exploration as well as uh, exporting. So uh, securing and having the right measures of cybersecurity within these operations really relates to the national security uh, of the whole country as it's impact the whole national income. And from that comes the a critical role of us playing the, uh, let's say, the cyber uh, defenders for these digital uh, oil fields borders for our uh, country and even our entities within Kuwait. Uh, so that's how critical it is. So what are the main challenges with the forum that you're working on? And I assume that that is helping to share threat intelligence across um, all the different companies that are participating? Well, uh, Bryson, I have came into the conclusion that uh, the challenges, uh, although despite of different culture, different of geographical uh, areas, when it comes to oil and gas industry, we have the same challenges. Uh, I've been listening to different podcasts and attending different forums when, uh, for ICS and uh, SCADA challenges with cybersecurity. And all of the CISOs and all of these uh, you know, uh, professionals in cybersecurity really addresses the same challenges. Uh, one of them is which we all of us is aware of the, uh, you know, the lack of uh, collaboration between IT and OT, uh, where we have a big gap, uh, where there's no alignment towards uh, collaboration in addressing the cybersecurity aspect. We do have this lack of communication between two, both parties because. Sometimes everyone is very much focused as their priority that we are focusing on OT 
where we have uh, the production and operation should be continuously there, while in IT, it's like availability of the service, different priorities. But again, as cybersecurity, we are covering both and we are securing both. And that's why we need to merge and find a win-win situation and the shared uh, you know, zone where they can both work on that zone in order to secure the whole company. Uh, as you are aware that sometimes there can be lateral movement from IT uh, vulnerabilities or compromised, uh, let's say machines or servers where uh, it can then lateral movement to the OT uh, through the, uh, some assuming uh, or the myth of having an air gap, uh, you would have some, uh, let's say, uh, lateral movement from IT to OT or vice versa. So you really need to have this buy-in between both. You need to have this alignment uh, with the spirit of having uh, one, uh, let's say, collaborative goal towards ensuring uh, the cybersecurity maturity in both areas. And this really what puts the big burden on us as cybersecurity officers and teams where we are addressing both areas under the uh, same role. And we need to do this alignment with, bo with both mindsets and get that uh, you know, shared uh, zone where we can have this alignment being uh, built in, the buy-in from both uh, and tackling uh, and aligning them with our own objectives, which is securing the whole industry uh, and the whole country by itself as well. So what do we do in the absence of government regulations related to cybersecurity in industrial systems? What's at stake and what role and responsibility do you have, Reem? With the absence of, uh, of, of, of some of the regulations and in industrial control systems, we of course map to the best practices and the global standards. Uh, and we have different entities that we're following uh, with the uh, cybersecurity and industrial guidelines, uh, as well as regulations. And uh, let's put that, let's just say, we have our own commitment towards securing uh, the uh, operational technology environment, as well as the information technology environment, the IT. So we do our own homework to map to the international standards when it comes to industrial control systems. We make sure that we, because we do have an auditing uh, mechanism and we do have some of mechanism even within internally our cybersecurity team. I do have an audit, audit uh, and compliance arm where we do these exercises of auditing our own uh, operations when it comes to cybersecurity. Uh, so, Instead of waiting for the regulations of the government to you know, come into action or to formulate officially and being shared, we build our own, uh, let's say, framework, which is very much aligned with the best practices around the world and industrial and global ones. And which by default, when our governmental and uh, local guidelines toward the cybersecurity industrial control systems uh, pops into the picture or get formulated, we will for sure be aligned with that because they will not conflict or uh, you know, uh, be in a different uh, island than what is being utilized and accepted at an international level. Transitioning now from a national and an international question, how do these questions that you're dealing with at a national level fit mm -hmm. into the global oil supply chain? Excellent question. Uh, we deal in three levels. Let me put it this way. 
We deal with the national level, which I just shared, uh, where we uh, have sh we are sharing the threat intelligence within our oil sector within Kuwait, and we have a forum that is re being very much uh, a success story, uh, where we have a high trust between the members and a wonderful professionalism spirit, where we are uh, sharing threat intelligence on time, um, building our uh, capabilities, and uh, having a shared roadmap to all of us like uh, 20, for a 2040 strategy. The concept and the fact of being stronger together is not is not, no longer just words. You will, you will see me using that hashtag very much uh, a lot in my, um, in my posts uh, and everywhere, even social media or even within my uh, communications because I have witnessed that this type of collaboration and gathering up these efforts and sharing threat intelligence and sharing the best practices, especially when it comes to a very critical field like cybersecurity, will really make us stronger, will really make us a much in a much, much better uh, advantage. Uh, by As we all know that uh, the adversaries is always collaborating with each other. Uh, they have their own forums where they can share all these threats and the dark web and all of that. So for, it's even better for us as, uh, let's say, the good guys to collaborate, to share our threat intelligence, to give each other's heads up of uh, what's uh, going on the, in the region. Because being an oil and gas industry, it means we under the same threats, we under uh, the same adversaries and, and targets as well. This is on the regional level. When we go a little bit or one level up, which is the international and global level. Uh, I have uh, I had the uh, the privilege and the honor also to join um, another forum at the global level, which is the World Economic uh, Forum, uh, where they have a wonderful initiative called the Cyber Resilience. Uh, the World Economic Forum is an independent and fully impartial global uh, platform, where they have uh, uh, invited different private and public sector stakeholders uh, from different uh, parts of the world to share their thoughts and uh, build that ecosystem where these insights are being captured, where these insights are being discussed and shared in a very uh, independent platform and a secure and safe environment. Uh, this initiative, to be honest, I was thrilled because it had like three uh, tracks where we are addressing the culture uh, aspect of that. We're also addressing the uh, cyber resilience part as well as the supply chain. Uh, and the stakeholders or the audience in each track, um, they, are they are working and meeting as if we are like a one team under one company. Uh, the spirit that these thesis are sharing and the transparency uh, we have built in our thoughts, in our, uh, let's say, feedback is really developing and contributing into a wonderful uh, built framework that we are currently developing, uh, which is looks at the, the whole ecosystem, not only at the operational level, not only at the regulatory level. We're trying to build a, a holistic framework that addresses different levels of the whole ecosystem within oil and gas cybersecurity industry. And it has that flexibility, you know, uh, uh, let's say in ingredient in it. So any country 
irrespective of its culture or of that, can utilize this framework with a, with a little bit of customization and, and tweaking to address its own uh, flavor of uh, culture or let's say policies and regulations. But yet that framework can be and will be used uh, very professionally and beneficially uh, eventually by these entities in oil and gas. And this is what is still in progress, but uh, I can sense a wonderful progress. And uh, I have been enjoying each meeting I'm attending with these wonderful uh, professional leaders and subject matter experts from different entities, from different private sectors, uh, and tackling different uh, components of that ecosystem in oil and gas. And all of us is trying to collaborate in developing something for the whole world. And this really makes my uh, heart uh, smiles because uh, I enjoy this. I enjoy contributing to the community. I enjoy seeing people working together and collaborating together towards making our community much better and much safer uh, for our operations and our uh, communities and entities as well. Did you mention a 2040 strategy? So we do have a 2040 strategy for different tracks within our oil sector covering um, technology, covering cybersecurity, covering uh, different aspects under our business. But me, our, my focus uh, as KOC, we are leading the cybersecurity program for these uh, K companies or this oil sector. And we have been achieving uh, with the uh, thanks and the contribution of the teamwork of the whole uh, nine companies, we have been achieving success stories on, uh, for that roadmap of 2040 plan, yes. Can you share one of those uh, successful case studies that you just mentioned? Yes, sure, Bryson. I would love to share the success story. So one of our success stories was building a unified K cybersecurity framework. And the K stands for the Kuwait companies uh, in oil and, and gas sector. So what we have done is that we have um, initiated a collaborative uh, exercise where we have defined four main areas of cybersecurity framework where uh, mainly the uh, cybersecurity capabilities are being built, which is strategy, secure, resilient, and vigilant. And that these four main areas, we have defined 34 capabilities uh, that fall under uh, and being you know, divided and categorized under these four main areas. Uh, we have done lots of uh, assessments. We have done lots of uh, interviews, uh, quality checks, and all of that, uh, where we have reached to this unified K-cybersecurity assessment, uh, sorry, framework, and developed a dashboard. And the dashboard for each of these main areas, the main uh, four capabilities addressed these uh, 34 uh, skills for the whole oil sector. And for me, when I presented that to our C-suite and executive of the whole oil sector, that was for me the sense of joy, the sense of proud, because uh, within one dashboard, let's say for, if we give an example, for vigilant, uh, uh, let's say a vigilant uh, cyber resilience or uh, for the vigilant portion or component, we have identified between the nine companies which company is leading that part of uh, capability. Uh, let's say X company is being the best in cyber analytics. The other X company is doing very nice. And the, uh, let's say DLP, uh, the other company is doing wonderful job in the uh, 
let's say, uh, the SOC operations and all of that. So we did have different capabilities. And from that dashboard, we then uh, gave the visibility to our executive to see which key company have the maturity uh, required in that specific capability that can be utilized to leverage it to the other uh, peers of K companies in, in the oil sector. Instead of the, each K company start to build its own capability from zero or reinvent the wheel, there's no need. You can see which one of your sisters is doing an enormous job and just call her to teach you the trick. And this is where it really happened. Uh, leveraging the resources, sharing the best practice. And we had that framework that really identified for us which one of these are leading in that specific capability within one dashboard. And that's what really made it an excellent success story because it's not only operational, it's even at the C-suite, at the management level, they have this visibility. And visibility means a lot in cybersecurity, especially when you talk to uh, the C-suite and you need to present it in a very uh, business language. And that dashboard has combined both the business language and the effectiveness in how to address these resources of many and huge companies within identifying and utilizing one unified cybersecurity framework where you can utilize and benefit and leverage each company's maturity efficiently to serve the other K companies. At the end, yes, we are different companies, but we are saving one income. We are contributing into uh, a national uh, income of our one country, which is Kuwait. And at the end, we are one oil sector of Kuwait that is representing the, uh, the industry within our region. And for that, we are collaboratively working toward a very unified uh, goals and objectives and utilizing the uh, collaboration and building and leveraging uh, the capabilities to all the others to reach the same maturity and to support each other. Again, together is always stronger. How do you do threat sharing with an adversary? Mm. I mean, I, surely that's part of the challenge of like the politics of we have to be friends with them. They're allowed to be in our club, but we're kind yes. of sharing the intelligence of what they're doing with them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but when it comes to sharing threat intelligence in the oil and gas, we're very, very much a close uh, community because we're, we're relating it to the Gulf countries. And in the Gulf countries, uh, we are friends. You know, we're talking about uh, uh, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Emirates, Qatar. Uh, we have uh, Bahrain, Oman. Mm -hmm. So these are the six company, uh, six countries of the Gulf, and we have already a common uh, Gulf Council that we have several initiatives already uh, taking place in uh, one region where our national income depends on oil production at, at a very high percentage. So we're all in the same boat. We're all, uh, it's all we're, we have been in a, a review, review, review <laughs> into a, a, a big impact. We we have been into a. Uh, a very uh, revolution, rev okay, the, the revolutionary uh, jump when it came to the, uh, the when oil was discovered in all of our six countries, and uh, all of that economy and all of that income has been impacted heavily till this moment. So uh, we do not share threat intelligence with the, uh, the others uh, that I believe you know who, who are also oil producing countries. 
Uh, and we're being very much uh, aware of that, and we're being very much uh, careful from that. But we have built this threat intelligence sharing forum with these uh, safe, um, you know, safe place or safe environment community, which is the Gulf countries, up to uh, up to this minute. Yani. How does the adversary behave? I mean, you're on the front lines there with the Gulf Coast countries of a lot of. Uh, turmoil and with the dependence on oil, it's a rich target that you have to deal with every day. So, what do they do? Uh, the similar to any other industries, and we know that uh, the financial is always uh, being one of the high, highly targeted, similar to the oil and gas industry. The adversaries is always, uh, you know, being creative and keep coming, uh, or let's say. Uh, developing a new techniques, new uh, approaches, and e- new malwares, and uh, it's actually sometimes becomes like one of the you know uh, Sherlock Holmes or Columbo series where uh, I enjoy uh, just looking at the artifacts of that uh, malware or looking at the uh, incident analysis, and uh, I enjoy being on the on the ground with our incident responders, just looking at the storyline, uh, how did that. Uh, incident happen. But I can see a common factor from different incidents in oil and gas uh, industries and even uh, around the world that the adversaries always put their most bet on human factor. Uh, They always utilize the social engineering as a first stage to compromise or to gather the information they need, knowing that uh, human factor can be a weakest link in that defense. Uh, I always give examples uh, to even non-cybersecurity professionals or even uh, when I go to uh, commercial committees and all of that, I I keep saying, and even our uh, leadership at some moments, that we do investment. And imagine that you're building a very high defensible castle. And one of the citizens of that castle, just at one night, he feels a little bit, you know, uh, humid, or he needs a, some air. So he just opens that window, just slightly, to have that breeze of air, cold air, comes at night to him, and he sleeps. Uh, with that, you know, action. Although he did that in, uh, not deliberately, uh, to harm the castle or to uh, break down uh, its all defenses, but it was a weaknesses where the, uh, let's say, the uh, the adversaries would spot that weakness and would make best of that. Uh, sometimes the human factor, curiosity, will always play a role in enabling uh, these attacks happens. So the adversaries are very, very uh, aware of that human factor, uh, and they, uh, because they are all also humans, and they do know and the how the humans would think i believe uh, bryson you have also witnessed that even during covid-19 uh, the attacks was increasing uh, actually uh, rapidly and uh, i've seen statistics that uh, these malicious domains that being created and covid-19 in general was something around uh, 100,000 uh, and we, when it came to the covid-19 peak in march it was 500,000 malicious uh, domains of COVID-19. This just gives you an indicator that adversaries 
will always make uh, take opportunity of any uh, you know impact that happened to the whole world to the whole citizens of the world. Uh, one of the discussions I had with one of uh, non-cybersecurity uh, colleagues, uh, he was saying, seriously, Rim, you think the uh, cyber uh, adversaries would think about attacking during a pandemic situation with the whole global is being through and people are dying? No way. So the th only thing I shared him is just I pulled that slide of statistics and showed it to him. And for that, he was surprised that although we are all humans, but with different motives, to motives, these adversaries will always make best of any opportunities that shows to the service. And for that, we need always, yes, we are ICS, cybersecurity professionals. We enjoy, our heart is there, but we need always to invest on in that human factor. We need always to align that human factor, that employees within that asset, within that uh, refinery. We need always to align them with us to make them very much aware that we cannot do it without you guys. Yes, we are building wonderful regulations. We are aligning with excellent standards in ICS. We are investing in high tech and next generations of uh, ICS uh, firewalls and all of that. But yet our focal investment and our focal key player in all of this equation is our operators, is our engineers, is our PLC uh, analyst and even maintenance engineers that really plays and uh, you know uh, take uh, maintains and uh, you know uh, uh, supervises these uh, PLCs and DCSs and keep keep them running. So we need always to educate them. We need to make them our cybersecurity champions and advocates, uh, irrespective or of how much investment you do in ICS, this is still a mandatory thing we need to do, but we should never minimize the impact that these people are playing uh, into raising the cybersecurity defenses uh, posture and uh, let's say uh, preparedness. And this is why I always uh, advocate. And uh, yeah, yesterday when I was putting my head uh, to sleep, I was thinking, what would be a wonderful uh, awareness message to these guys at the uh, at the assets? What would really get their hearts into into uh, being very much interested in securing or learning about cybersecurity? Uh, and this is what really keeps me uh, many times awake because uh, the human factor is very interesting, um, uh, you know, uh, element. And uh, we need to know the right question uh, in order for us to address it and utilize it. And recently, within my Harvard studies, I learned that we need to uh, map the three factors together. Uh, from Professor uh, Linda Hill, she's an, a wonderful uh, doctor there. She said that we need to align the head along with the heart and make it feasible once the alignment happens for hands to take action. So even within our awareness messages that goes to the OT, which is a little bit challenging for uh, for us to you know bring them on because they are not coming from an IT background, we need also to take that you know um, approach and that uh, strategy in getting their heads aligned with their hearts and making sure what's in it for us if we really take that cybersecurity 
uh, session. What's really is it for us if we do that uh, checkup of quality check or cybersecurity check and complete that uh, survey? What is it for us? So we always need to take their heart and their buy-ins uh, and also align it with the head and the roadmap and the importance of being a cybersecurity defender of your national income and national security of the whole country. And then give them the tools, give them the, uh, you know, the uh, toolkit where they can really take all of this passion and all of this mindset being uh, aligned with be our cybersecurity advocates and champions into raising this knowledge and spreading it in their OT community and in our operations and fields and refineries as well. So one last question, Reem. This is the big one. This is where we're going to bring it all together. If you had a magic non-internet connected wand, it had a real air gap, what is the number one thing you'd make happen with policymakers across the globe? Uh, oh, a very wonderful and tricky question. <laughs> uh, I would... Uh, I would ask for a magic wand, but uh, magic is always, uh, you can see it very much visible in uh, Marvel and Disney, but uh, unfortunately we cannot see it in our uh, cybersecurity uh, field. But we do think, oh, I do think that the, uh, the uh, policymakers, the global policymakers can do uh, something or at least some similar activity to what uh, the World Economic Forum is doing where they are very much you know, initiating that initiative at the cybersecurity resilience uh, into oil and gas. And actually they are doing also the same with financial sector as well as electricity. Uh, but yet, if we have the uh, policy makers across the globe uh, have a collaborative, uh, let's say, understanding of all of the uh, cybersecurity, uh, oil and gas challenges, uh, and I, I can be, I always, actually, I always emphasize that we really do not need to reinvent the wheel. We can build of what we are working today within the World Economic Forum. We can build on that. And from that, also, they are one of the stakeholders of the policymakers. Uh, we, can, we can also uh, build on that. And the policymakers can utilize this uh, forum or this initiative to build upon it a very collaborative a flexible uh, and resilient, uh, let's say, standards, regulations, where we can deploy it around the whole ecosystem, starting from us as uh, companies and entities and ending up to our supply chain and partners. Uh, supply chain is very, very crucial in oil and gas because uh, we do depend highly on our partners and our vendors and in many incidents and crucial incidents that took place in the previous periods was through compromising these supply chains and compromising those partners that didn't take the rightful measures of cybersecurity while the main player or the main oil and gas entity did take their did do their due diligence and did the, did perform their full homework of raising and investing in a very safe cybersecurity posture, yet uh, due to the, uh, let's say, uh, not uh, due to the lack of alignment of such uh, prerequisites, 
of these uh, cybersecurity guidelines or practices or at least standards, you can see there will be some vulnerabilities and weaknesses in these partners or third party uh, suppliers. And this is where the supply chain will be um, an issue and actually a big challenge for oil and gas industries uh, to address. So if the policymakers can really um, develop a collaborative framework where they address this big challenge and have it as a global, however, the a flexible uh, guideline of a framework and policies, this will really uh, help us as oil and gas industry as a whole throughout the globe to uh, not really resolve the whole thing, but it will really contribute in making our life a little bit better uh, by incorporating a one unified uh, policy and a framework that addresses this supply chain uh, uh, matter or uh, issue. What's your background? How did you get into this line of work? Quest Oil Company was my first career and still. Um, and uh, when I first joined there, I joined in the network section under IT. And uh, my supervisor uh, had a vision uh, towards my career. And he uh, really told, told me, and he, he, he was a very wonderful leader, where he was very transparent and sharing with me his vision. He told me that he would like to build out for me a wild card where he can inject in any project and a success story follows out. So what he did really is that he kept injecting me into different projects with different IT backgrounds. Um, and due to my, let's say, uh, skills of love to learn, I was always adapting and learning, picking up the new uh, technologies and leading them into success stories because I also have a professional uh, manage project management uh, licenses uh, being certified since 2005. I was nominated to lead the uh, IT task force in enabling the digital oil fields projects throughout our company with a couple of pilots and different assets. Uh, we, were, uh, we were able to see that these technologies are enabling the business, yet have some risks accompanying, accompanying them, if not being addressed well. So, uh, I, I believe even before getting to cybersecurity or even having a dedicated team, I had that instinct within me. And I believe uh, this is one of the good aspects of being a woman that uh, we can do, uh, we have a built-in risk, uh, you know, instinct and appetite a little bit higher uh, towards things. So when we realize that we will be enabling digital oil fields in these assets, uh, which means that uh, it can be remotely, uh, you know, controlled, uh, where you can open the valve, increase the pressure, or reduce the temperature. We knew that there is a risk if not if the right alignment were, were not done between IT and OT. Uh, so for my cybersecurity instinct just kicked in before even becoming a CISO or before even joining the information security team. And uh, as I led led that role of being an IT lead. To that task force, I was always playing and putting the hat of uh, cybersecurity in addressing the risk, making sure that we have the right alignment between both parties, and making sure that whatever we enable, the right risk and mitigations, uh, the, the right risk has been identified, and the uh, proper mitigation has been taken to place to address them. Well, Reem, 
Thank you very much for joining us today and bringing a truly international perspective. And of course, it has just been um, so wonderful to hear about your background and all of the accomplishments that you've done. Uh, we look forward to your next PhD. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brayson. Uh, I think my next PhD is, uh, I would say that very quickly, is our women cybersecurity Middle East. Uh, I think this is my next research. Uh, I'm a co-founder of a wonderful uh, cybersecurity forum of uh, more than 800 ladies in cybersecurity, uh, ranging from uh, high school girls up to MDs and executives in cybersecurity who are residents in the Middle East. So this is my next PhD. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, actually devoting many of my time uh, and uh, contribution to this uh, wonderful uh, community where we are empowering women and cybersecurity, especially in the Middle East. We are collaborating with other women cyber uh, around the globe and forums where we're uh, uh, trying to secure our communities and uh, as well as empowering the women uh, around the globe and even in the Middle East to play a, a much better and much active role in the cybersecurity community. And uh, if, if you may allow me also to uh, just announce that we are having our first uh, annual uh, virtual conference coming in November, and we have opened these call for papers there, where we are uh, encouraging women speakers from around the globe in cyber to really participate and make their voices much uh, being heard around the globe. So uh, this is my next PhD, contributing more to our uh, society and community and empowering our women and ladies around the globe. Another so project. Uh, another project of passion. Uh, where can people go to get more information? Okay, so uh, if they just Google about women in cybersecurity Middle East or www.womeninsybersecurity.me, uh, it will go there. Or even just put WICSME in Twitter and they will reach us. Excellent. Well, good to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you so much, Bryson, for this opportunity. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hack the Plant, a podcast of the R Street Institute and ICS Village Nonprofit. Subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. Even better, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can reach even more listeners. Tell us what you thought about it and who we should interview next by finding us on Twitter at RSI or at ICS underscore village. Finally, if you want to know more about R Street or ICS Village, visit rstreet.org or icsvillage.com. I'm your host, Bryson Borg. Thank you to executive producer Tyler Lowe of Fader Creative, creative producer William Gray, and editor Dominic Sterrett of Sterrett Productions.